0: Welcome to the Crossview Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. How you doing? It's good to see you. Uh, You know, I love that we're getting things going early here, both Thanksgiving and uh, even Advent. I know it feels kind of, you know, we're, we're still in the end of October. I keep trying to get my son to go into the closet and pull out just a very small, subtle Christmas decoration and then put it up somewhere in the house, <laughs> because my wife will have none of that. <laughs> it's really fun. He hasn't done it yet, though, so <laughs> a little too early. Well, uh, I'm glad you're here, whether in person or online. I'm thankful to Pastor Scott and Pastor Nikki for hosting our online group and uh, gathering that way, if, uh, if you're here with us that way. Uh, It's good to be reminded uh, that that meeting together is a privilege, uh, and that we get to meet together without worry and fear is a a pretty amazing and significant thing. We'll be reminded about that a little bit today as we look at our passage of Scripture. Uh, But I just kind of wanted to say that and uh, just invite us to a time of prayer here for just a moment as we turn our hearts to the Scriptures. Let's pray. Jesus, will you just speak through your word? We know that you do on a regular and consistent basis in ways that are completely transformative to us, our ways of thinking in our life. And so please, may that be true of us this morning. Uh, We love you and uh, we submit to you here and now. And in your name we pray, amen. Well, we're gonna take another, uh, we're gonna look at another story that comes from Acts chapter five. We spent last week in Acts chapter five as well talking briefly about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, as we continue reading, we find a story that's a bit familiar to us, familiar in the sense that we've had a a really similar story back in Acts chapter two, but this time uh, in the story that we're looking at, there's a miracle and an angel. So it's pretty cool. Uh, After last week's story of Ananias and Sapphira, we kind of talked about that there's this really kind of weird interruption in the progression of the storyline with Ananias and Sapphira, but that Luke was making a very particular point. Uh, But so after last week's story, what we find is the apostles back at the work that Jesus has called them to. Back, in fact, at the temple preaching, performing miracles, and teaching about Jesus. And, and if you remember, at least we know that Peter and John had been arrested before and expressly told not to teach or preach in the temple and not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus. Uh, and then we find them here doing that again. So at this point in Acts chapter 5, the things for the early church are really taken off. They're really hopping. Uh, and if you remember, the Sadducees and the high priests and then eventually the Pharisees, they all Uh, are trying to figure out what this new movement is all about. And we'll see that they're becoming more and more organized in their attempts to stop the apostles and this growing group of believers. And that happens, it intensifies quickly as we get into chapter 6 and chapter 7 in the book of Acts. We know that they are concerned more and more about the message of Jesus gaining momentum. And so we find the apostles again back at the temple teaching and preaching. And then we read this in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 17. The high priest uh, and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy, and they arrested all the apostles and put them in public jail. So they get arrested again. Uh, And... Uh, before Peter and John were arrested back in chapter 2, being filled with the Holy Spirit and preaching about Jesus, they were, if you remember, arrested at night back then. Um, and they were likely put in some type of holding cell at that point, back in chapter 2. Not necessarily a public jail, as we see here in this uh, in this uh, verse here, in verse 17 and 18, which is kind of fa- fascinating that this time, there's uh, an emphasis to put them in a public jail. The Pharisees and Sadducees want everyone to know that what they're doing is, uh, is not allowed, uh, and they are put in a public jail. This time, uh, maybe a little public humiliation will help emphasize the significant nature of the crime that, that they've committed here, and I love it. Because the fact that this is a public jail actually works against them here in just a little bit. (laughs) Actually, we'll go right into it here in verse 19. We read this. They're in jail, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. And then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple once again. (laughs) as they were told and immediately began teaching. This is fantastic. It's like some high drama here uh, in the story that Luke is telling us. Uh, And there's one thing that I want to kind of focus on, what the angel tells them to do, and the words that the angel uses actually is what we're all about. Is partly why this early church movement exists, partly why we exist, and it's important for us to recognize that. So the the story of the early church is quickly picking up speed with mentions of the apostles performing miracles and signs and wonders, and here we get to read about a wonder that happened uh, for the apostles. I love that Luke is putting this particular story in the book because as we've seen him do all along, he's not only telling this one particular story, but he's connecting it to a larger concept. Why is it that we exist, and what are we supposed to do? So here he's reminding his readers... And us, what it's all about, and we need to pay attention. It's about giving people this message of life, the message of life. And we read that's uh, Acts five twenty in the NLT says, "Go to the temple and give the people this message of life." And the word life is the same word that's used for Jesus about Jesus when it says that He is the life. Pretty incredible. Tell them this message of real, authentic, true life. In the NIV, go stand in the temple courts and tell uh, the people all about this new life. And then in the message, I love it, says this. Go to the temple and take your stand. Tell the people everything there is to say about this life. (laughs) Promptly obedient, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching. Here's a fun little fact about this moment that we see here. As we've been talking about, this is kind of early early on in the the early church's story. And the Christian community at this point didn't have a name. Uh, The Pharisees and Sadducees, the the chief priests and all, they didn't know what to call this group. In fact, this group, the apostles and disciples at this point, didn't really know what to call themselves. Um, But because of this story and what the angel tells them, they get an early kind of name. Uh, It wouldn't be until later that they're known as Christians. But they were first called, because of what they're told here, they were first called people of the way. Isn't that cool? People of a particular way of life. I love it. So uh, one commentator said that what the apostles were doing was quite simply uh, to live in a wholly new way that nobody had really lived like before within their context. So the, everything is changing about the way they think and the a way that they live their life. And it's all about this way of life connected to the life that God has given it. So how is it new? What are the marks of this life that the disciples were to share with everyone? Well, it starts, number one, with a recognition of Jesus as the long-awaited Savior and King. That was the first message that they were to tell everyone. Hey all, we've been waiting for this Messiah. We found it in the person of Jesus Christ, who was crucified, resurrected, and who now sits at the right hand of God. This is still the, uh, the primary thing that we talk about when we tell the truth of God, right? That Jesus Christ is Lord. So remember what Peter said to the council the first time he was arrested, back in Acts chapter 3? It goes like this. This is what Peter said for it is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected uh, before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses to that fact. So, Jesus here is called the Holy One, the Righteous One, the Author of Life, the One who was raised from the dead. And even a chapter later, in Acts chapter 4, Peter says this Let me say it clearly. Let me, let me, uh, let me clearly state to all of you, uh, so to you and all the people of Israel, that He was the one healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. He's talking about the lame man at the gate, if you remember. The man you crucified. Uh, Again, talk about Jesus, the man you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, the foundation of the kingdom of God. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And I know that as we follow Jesus, we understand that, but I think it's very important for us to just hear it clearly stated one more time, what our priorities are in terms of how we think about Jesus Christ very clearly. The only one under heaven, the only name under heaven by which we must be saved, the King, Lord, author of all things, life in Jesus. So living this new way of life starts with an understanding about Jesus. God and King and what he has done for us. Next, this new way of life meant living differently than people around them, and especially, as we'll see from the religious leadership of the day. Living differently and thinking differently about the culture and people around them. Jesus himself talked about what living this new life looks like. We're gonna jump real quick to uh, Luke chapter four. Remember, Luke is the author of the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And so all of this is very connected. So here's what Jesus says about the new way of life uh, in Luke chapter. Oh, sorry, I'm getting Luke four eighteen. Here we go. The Spirit of the Lord, he said, is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he rolled up the scroll and he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. They were kind of awed by this moment. And then he began to speak to them, the scripture that you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus is stirring up some controversy. (laughs) Calling people to live a particular way of life. Then a few chapters later, we get this really cool story where John the Baptist sends some messengers who come asking Jesus as he's, baptizing people if he is the awaited Messiah and this is what Jesus says. He told John's disciples, go back and tell John and tell him what you have seen and heard. That the blind see, that the lame walk, that those with leprosy are cured, that the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and good news, or good news life in God, is being preached to the poor. There's no question that the early church lived in stark contrast to the culture of their day who didn't value any of this stuff, especially in how it related to the poor, the prisoner, the lame, the sick, the widows, the orphans, etc. We have a particular way of life that we're called to, that views things differently, that treats people differently, that is marked by an empowered spirit of love in us and through us. Amen? (laughs) How are you doing at that? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard not only in terms of how you treat those closest uh, around you and your circles of life and influence, but even it's difficult as it attempts to shape the way that we think about the world and all that's happening. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 5, we know this, but it tells us some more about how we're to live. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I love it. Calling us to a particular way of life. So we enthrone God in our thinking and in our life. And we're called to a particular way of living that out. One commentator said this. This wasn't just a way of life and sense of a way of conducting your personal day-to-day living though it is that this was a way which involved living also as a family with all those who share your faith or your belief in jesus a way in which involved a radical new attitude to property possessions and people we've we've talked about that in these early chapters of acts 2. this christian community thought completely differently about property possessions and people it was a way Uh, which meant that the center of your life before God uh, came uh, in individual houses when you're breaking bread in a remembrance of what Jesus has done for you. It was all of that, but it was also much more. It was a way of life, he goes on, in the sense that, that the life itself, being God, had come into this life, our life, in quite a new way. Life had broken through the normally absolute barrier of death, and had burst into the present world of decay and corruption as a new possibility, a new renewing, and a new redeeming power. And it was that that carried the apostles along like a strong wind driving sailboats out across a wild sea. Part of why that we're called to live differently toward property, people, and possessions, and all of this is because we think differently about how all things will end and how all things will go. The early church and we too had the audacity to walk around believing that that it wasn't all death and decay ahead for the future of humanity and all of creation, Woo! (laughs) They walked around believing that literal life had broken through the barrier of death and that renewal was possible for everyone. Are you sick? Come be healed. Are you an outcast? Come join the family. Are you in prison of some kind? Come experience freedom like you've never had before. This is the message of the church. This is the message of Jesus. Crazy, incredible stuff. <laughs> That's why we are. We live with incredible hope because of what God has done. Not even literal prisons could keep them from sharing this message. It was so important. The work was so important. The message was so important that when the apostles were arrested, the angel of the Lord broke them out of prison and said, keep going. Wow. (laughs) In fact, go back to the place you were just at, where you just got arrested, and keep preaching the message. Incredible. Oh, Pastor Holly and I had fun in our discussion uh, podcast talking this week uh, about a, a couple of things that might be helpful, just a couple of words that might be helpful. Put, us all, put this all in context. I'll use two words that start with the letter D because that's what pastors do. So you can remember things, right? Um, that the angel gave them this charge to declare the truth. There's, there's some aspect of this that's declarative for us. We are to declare the truth of Jesus in, in ways uh, uh, both verbal and, and non-verbal, but we declare the truth of Jesus, as what the angel told them to do, and then we demonstrate it in our lives. Both things are part of what it means to live this out. Now this got the disciples and the apostles in quite a bit of trouble, <laughs> as we'll see quickly as these, chap- as these uh, chapters continue. And so we pick up the story in Acts chapter five, starting in verse 22, where it says this, but when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported, uh, the jail was securely locked with the guards standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain uh, of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it would all end. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, one thing that we see uh, that is uh, uh, this new life that they were experiencing, this new power that God had given them, they also gave them the courage uh, to keep talking about the truth of Jesus, to keep living that out in significant ways, even when things got tough. That's an important aspect to realize about the early churches, that God gave them the, the courage and strength, the empowerment of the Spirit, to continue in that way of life when things got really hard. And I'm very, very thankful for that. It's true of us today. It's still true for us today. And things, as we'll see, get really tough for the early church and the Christian community. They had the courage to look at the religious leaders of the day and tell them, this is the way of God. He's opened up all these things. And this is the way that you should be living too. But you're not. What a message. And what we see as we go um, through the rest of chapter 5 looks a little bit familiar to us. Uh, We saw some of the same uh, ideas in chapter 2. But in chapter 5, we're going to continue reading in verse 27. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders to never teach again in this man's name. They couldn't even bring themselves to call Jesus by his name, this man. Uh, We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. uh, Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right, at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so that the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. What boldness to live into that reality of confession of who God is, who Jesus is, and living that out in their way of life. One commentator said this, How does it sound in the ears of the religious officials to be reminded by this commoner that they are supposed to be the ones obeying God? Also, rather than Uh, collaborating to keep a lid on the status quo in Jerusalem. These religious leaders whose lives are supposed to epitomize complete obedience to the will of God had exchanged that sacred duty for the role of official power brokers and Roman collaborators whose job it was to keep their own people from causing too much trouble for the Roman occupation forces. And here stand this group of disciples and apostles calling them The religious leaders back to the way of life. Fascinating to look at this and to read this. These religious leaders, they had this power because they were the guardians of the temple or the central shrine at that point, not realizing that now things work differently in the kingdom of God. We talked about that that last week. They could not simply just allow the apostles to carry on the way that they were doing, they thought that God's honor would be compromised, that Israel would be led astray, and that disaster might strike. They, these people had to be stopped. <laughs> and so the authorities did their best. But the apostles were teaching the words of life and the way of life. The authorities were increasingly worried that they would undermine the very fabric of Judaism as they had known it. And they were desperate to prevent them from taking things further, but as the story continues, they were actually in danger, as we see, the religious leaders of fighting not against a human movement, but God himself. Peter's second speech to this group didn't go over very well. <laughs> when they heard this, <laughs> the high council decided to kill them, which is really, The story, actually, as you continue reading through it, it has a a kind of a surprise ending. Uh, A member of the council named Gamaliel convinced the council to let them go. And his argument is kind of uh, wonderful and has borne out to be true. In Acts chapter 5, 38 uh, through 39, it says this. This is Gamaliel talking. So my advice is, let's leave these men alone and let them go. If they are planning uh, and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. <laughs> but if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. <laughs> he he references some other rebellions that had happened previously that had got put down because it, those rebellions were were not of God. <laughs> The disciples, it says, were flogged this time, not just given a warning, stop teaching and preaching in this man's name. They were flogged, commanded to never again teach the name of Jesus and let go. And then it says this in Acts chapter 541. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message that Jesus is life, or the Messiah, he is life. (laughs) Incredible. So I'm I'm really hopeful uh, that kind of walking through this story today and just pulling out a couple of points just reinforces some things for us that can be very encouraging. Who Jesus is and the way that he's called us to, a different way of thinking, uh, viewing the world, property, people, and possessions, and, and giving us the courage to live into this way of life, even when things are difficult. This, this story is fantastic, because we see that the early church is focused on Jesus and living out this new way of life. One that assumes that death and decay are no longer the ultimate end. And we also live with that wonderful hope. <laughs> They're filled with the Spirit, which gives them confidence in the face, face of suffering and persecution. One commentator said that our job is to be faithful when clash comes and to obey God rather than human authorities like the disciples here. We may have to suffer, whether actual violence or, or as they did in verses 40 through 41, but uh, with simply sneering or mockery. Either way, we have been told uh, to cheerfully uh, hold our course. And if we really believe that God has raised Jesus, then the question that Gamaliel left open as to whether uh, God is in this or not has been decided once and for all, God is in it. <laughs> Another th- just thought as we, as we end here. Uh, from J.D. Walt, uh, uh, who is the executive director of Seedbed.com. And we've been using his, uh, his devotions on our weekly resources for the, de- the devotion part uh, following along this series. And he writes this, The gospel does not guarantee a get-out-of-jail-free card. Though at times, as a bonus of encouragement for believers, it might miraculously happen. (laughs) But we can rejoice when it does. But we must remember that the mission is not contingent on the miracle. After all, where does the angel send the apostles after delivering them? Yes, right back into the fray. (laughs) So as we end, I want to encourage you, like the early church... To commit to living out this new way of life. A life centered on Jesus. We start by recognizing Jesus as Savior and Lord in our daily actions, our decisions, uh, and our interactions with other people. I encourage you to seek opportunities to serve and care for marginalized and oppressed in our communities, in our neighborhoods, even in our workplaces. Following Jesus' example of bringing the good news, the news of life, God's life wherever he went. Good news to the poor, the release of captives, setting oppressed free, always looking uh, for ways to make a positive impact through God in the lives of those who need it most. Next, like the apostles, be courageous in sharing the message of life with others, regardless of the challenges or opposition that you might face. Don't be afraid to speak about Jesus and the transformation that he has brought to your life. If you tell your story about what Jesus has done for you, that will speak volumes to people. Share this message with friends, families, neighbors, community, uh, your community, co-workers. Remember that renewal and redemption are possible for everyone (laughs) and anyone. We have an opportunity to be a beacon of hope for those who need it. And finally, worship team, would you come on back up? Finally, just as the early church did, we haven't talked about this much, but it's certainly part of these, uh, these uh, stories in Acts, especially early on. Uh, just as the early church did, as they gathered together to strengthen their faith and to share the message of life and how God's working amongst them, we too should prioritize gathering as a faith family. Whether that's a corporate gathering like this, whether it's in person or online, or just with a few other believers, Uh, so that we can encourage each other, pray for each other, help each other. We can study the scriptures together and do the best to follow Jesus the best we possibly can. So important. So those things are really good encouragements for us as we think about this story, as we live our life to follow Jesus this next week. Amen. It's exciting stuff. Jesus, I just thank you so much for the way that you save us, for the way that you renew us, you change us, you transform us, you shape our thinking, you shape our, our living. You can shape the way that we speak to others, the way that we think about the world around us, and we, we pray, God, that you do that in our heart and mind. Take us deeper into that kind of formation and relationship with you. Make us into who you've designed us to be, Help us hold open-handedly things that we might be gripping onto that are not of your way. Help us come around each other to support each other, encourage each other. And help us be a light in this dark world, telling everyone around us that the life of God is here and now and you can be remade fill us uh, as we we go from here I I pray that is just uh, on the tip of our tongue in the front of our mind and a passion that's burning within our heart to see that be the case wherever we can and in all of our spheres of influence we love you Jesus We, we praise you, we thank you God we just want to end our time in outward expression of worship and submission and surrender and prayer, so be with us here for these next few moments as we sing to you, praising you for who you are. And in your name we pray.